Episode number 401 with Grammy-nominated DJ Steve Aoki. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. the legendary Steve Aoki in the house today. I am super pumped about this. I got a chance to connect with Steve actually in his studio in downtown LA. So me and Tiff took the video cameras, the mics. We drove down to Los Angeles downtown and connected with this incredible human, Steve Aoki. For those that don't know who he is, he is a label owner, Grammy-nominated DJ, producer, fashion executive, philanthropist. He is a man with many talents and interests and one who makes an impact through all of his endeavors. He has always made it a point to take a proactive stance when it comes to social and humanitarian issues. He is the founder of Dim Mock Records. He's also collaborated with many huge artists, including Tiesto, Linkin Park, Iggy Azalea, Will I Am, Snoop Dogg, and many, many more. And we get in here in this episode, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. I posted a photo of us on Instagram. If you're not following me, at Lewis Howes on Instagram and at Steve Aoki, make sure to check us both out. But I posted a photo a few weeks ago when we did this interview. And wow, the response was massive. One of the biggest responses of a pre-photo interview that I've posted of so many people interested about this. Make sure to share this with your friends right now. If you're listening, tweet this out, lewishouse.com slash 401. Or if you're on the podcast app, just click the share button, post it on Twitter, post it on Facebook, tag me and Steve on Instagram because this is going to inspire and impact many, many people. If you haven't seen the new documentary of Steve Aoki on Netflix, make sure to check it out. I was fascinated with Steve after I watched this documentary, and I dived in even deeper. And we cover things that he doesn't talk about on that documentary that, for me, was kind of shocking and inspiring that he actually went that far in this interview. So I, I hope you guys enjoy this one. Again, make sure to share this out. We want to make sure we get this to as many people as possible. Steve was generous to give a lot of his time to share his wisdom, insights, how he's gone over the last decade to build himself up from you know, promoting these little gigs in his apartment with 10 to 20 people to building a movement, millions of followers and fans around the world, one of the biggest DJs in the world. And he talks about all the challenges and struggles from starting out with nothing to building it to where he is today. We talk about why so many people in the music world are unable to complete projects and how he's learned to get things done and to ship them. Also, how Steve shifts a crowd that isn't present when he's performing. So if you're a speaker or you're a performer or an athlete or anything that has a performance, an actor, and the audience is not present, he talks about the different things you can do in a moment, in an instant, to shift the entire energy in a room so that they all zoom back into you and be completely engaged and present in your performance. We also talk about why Steve hasn't watched his documentary 
since it first came out, which I thought was kind of interesting. I actually watched Tony Robbins' documentary with him that was on Netflix the night before it came out. And I know he watched it many times before its release. So I was interested to hear why he didn't. Also, Steve's way of setting up his team to support him. I got to meet a number of his team members, and he said that there's no way he could have got to where he is without his team. This and so much more in today's episode, guys. I hope you enjoy this one. Again, make sure to share this with your friends. This is going to be a big one. I know it's going to strike a chord with so many people out there. So without further ado... Let me introduce to you the one, the only, Steve Aoki. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Welcome, everyone, back to School of Greatness Podcast. Very excited about our guest today, the legend Steve Aoki. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, Appreciate thanks it. for having me. We're in your studio here in Los Angeles and a very inspirational space with lots of great people here. And this is where a lot of it goes down in this studio, right? Yeah, yeah. Bringing all the artists and singers and coming here. And Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's evolved over time. Like, yeah. we we took over this floor, this entire floor of this building in downtown LA uh, two years ago, maybe mm. two and a half years ago. And before then, I was working in my house. Really? Yeah. I mean, like, generally speaking, I just, you know, you can tune a room anywhere. Yeah. You know, and you want to, like, for me, it's more about creative space. If I want to end up mixing or um, if I really need the acoustics tuned in to the point where it's really important, then I'll go to a, an actual studio sure. and rent a studio. But if I want to be creative, I want to be in a comfortable space. Yeah. So um, no matter where I am, I'm going to build a room. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And um, so we took over this floor and... Um, what you don't see, which you saw, which is they're like, you know, three quarters of this, of this floor is, is the Dimock headquarters. Yeah. And then, um, I, we built a wall before when we built, when we took over this floor, this, there was no walls. Right. So I needed to have some privacy. Sure. So essentially this is like my, my office, you know, yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. this is where I work and then these guys work at, at their desks and, and, you know push push other artists and <laughs> i'm pushing my music out of here actually i i i lend this studio to a lot of artists as well really from yeah. Denmark. that's cool you know when i'm not around i'm like they can use as long as, long as they don't uh you know destroy my speakers right right <laughs> sure sure um well i was really inspired to learn more about you i started hearing about you about a year and a half two years ago on social media and then the more i heard about people posting about you and people that i have connected with a, a guy sent me a message today johnny cupcakes who was like you know Steve was a DJ for a, an opening party of mine like 11 years ago before yeah. anyone knew who he was. I remember. I remember Johnny that. Cupcake somewhere. Yeah, I do and, remember uh, that, yeah. More and more people have been telling me about you. And then I watched the documentary recently and it was like blown away on how inspiring you are and all the things that you've overcome. Thank you. So it's amazing to hear more about your story. And I'm really glad you put the documentary out there. I recommend everyone go watch it on Netflix. Um I'm curious about, I mean, because I didn't know the, the, the family dynamics until the doc documentary. And I think it's fascinating about your father and everything yeah. that's happened. Um, and I'm curious, what do you think makes you so driven to be at the top of everything that you're doing right now? That changes over time. You know, like the, I mean, I, I guess the best way for me to, to 
sum it up is I'm a, I'm a project oriented person. And so whenever I, whenever I attack, um, something, I'm attack it, you know, singularly, mm. but also, um, with multiple teams. So I mean, obviously I can't do all this I'm doing alone, you know, right. but, um, I, I need, I need to focus on one project at a time and see a beginning and an end. Um, I think for the most part, when I mean, for a long time, I was, I, I would do certain projects, but I would never finish them. I think that's mm-hmm. the case for a lot of people. It's like you have this drive to start something and then you don't know how to end it. You don't know how to f- execute and you're afraid of, of the product. You're afraid how you're going to be perceived. And it's about overcoming that fear too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's, it's hard. Um, I actually like to instill this, uh, this, this um, execution part of starting and ending a, pro- a project um, with my team. Mm. So, or with people that I love or that are around me. I remember like just recently my, my little niece, um, she just turned 16 October 12th, which is, was that today? I think so. Today's 11th or 12th, I think. Well, happy birthday, <laughs> Natalie. Anyway, so like three weeks ago, my it's uncle. The 11th. It's the 11th. <laughs> okay, so tomorrow will be your birthday. So three weeks ago, uh, my sorry, my brother-in-law, my 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 sister's husband, um, the, like he, they just moved the whole family. I I just bought my mom a house next to me, so that's like that's been really great for me. In Vegas or in Vegas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. And um, I just want to be closer to my family because I'm always traveling. Yeah. And she's willing to move, so I was just so happy. I was like, I got, like, we found this house. It's right next door. Amazing. And uh, and my my brother-in-law moved in my, with my niece, and and my sister's moving there. So I'm just like so close, so close, much much closer to my family. Makes me happy. And uh, my my brother-in-law, he's a music guy, mm-hmm. so he's, you know, he's always inspired when he comes in my studio and sees me working. Or like, you know, my studio is, is epic, epic yeah. beyond epic. The one in Vegas. <laughs> Um, there's pictures online and stuff. Sure. You well, hashtag the video. Neon Future Cave. You can see some pictures. I think you posted on Instagram of you like jumping into a foam pit and everything like that. Oh, that, that's not my studio. That's, that's my, house, fo- that's, right? yeah, that's my foam pit room. It's crazy. So anyways, um, I'll, I'll get to, <laughs> anyway, so I, you know, he's always like, I, I can't finish a song. I've never finished a song. I, Your brother-in-law. Yeah. And he's yeah. been working on music longer than me. Mm. He like, he has a full little studio set up in the house. I'm like, I get, I get so excited. He has his, his MIDI keyboard out. He has some other synths out, his guitar and he works on Pro Tools. And I'm like, let me hear some stuff. You know, he's like, I actually never finished a song. Wow. So I, I, I made a bet with him. This is part of something that I've been doing with my team called Aoki Bootcamp. And the Aoki Bootcamp is all about, uh, meeting your goals and, and it's, it's very, it's disciplinary. Mm. So if you don't, you meet your goal, whatever it might be. You actually have to pay money mm. towards the charitable fund, and the charitable fund disperses it to to you know different things that sure. that are of need. So in this case, I I set a goal on him. I said, you know, um, you uh, they started a group. Um, forgot the name of the group. But they him and his daughter started mm-hmm. a group, and they work on music together. But they've never actually finished a song. So I said, by October twelfth, you have three weeks. Wow! I want you I want you to 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 make a bet with me that you're going to finish your very first song, you know, and, um, and he actually did. So it, it took time. It, like I would hammer and hammer and hammer and hammer. Right. And he's like, I, I just can't, I'm just not in this space. You know, like what people w- will say, what I've said, I'm not in the space to do it. I'm sick. I'm tired. Like you make, you make up these excuses so you don't actually do it. And I'm like, I give him some pointers, some hints to be able to truck through those, those, mm. those, uh, those boundaries. Those like right. huge hurdles that you can't ever get through. 
you always stop there. Everyone always stops at the same place. Yeah. And obviously when you get older, you all, you, it's harder to uh, jump the hurdle because you're, because you're more stubborn. You're like, I don't need to. I've already got my shit sorted. You right, know? right. So I kept on hammering. I'm like, where are you stuck on? What, what are the issues? Like, okay, so here's, here's some pointers to get through that, whatever that might have been, you know? And, um, and I would just keep hammering him. And he started hating me. Kind of. I just saw in his face, like, I can't believe I did this. But in, in this case, the penalty wasn't, wasn't money. Cause I don't want to, mm. like, I don't, not, it's not like I want to take money away from him to go to charity, but the penalty was three months of working out mm. every day. He doesn't it, work out. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hardcore working out. It's like, sure. you have to do this regimen of working out. And if you miss it, you have to add on a week. Wow. So you can essentially be working out for the rest of your life if you don't work out <laughs> right. three three months straight. Right, right. And and I'm very strict with these things. Like I'm very sure. strict. Like I have to uh like I've already donated close to forty thousand dollars to to the charitable fund from lost lost bets. Wow. So I'm very, very strict with myself and I try to keep that, you know, with my team. Mm-hmm. And uh and yeah, that's that's one way to like get through these hurdles is like by is is a uh, is holding yourself and your team accountable. First of all, having a team community mm-hmm. that believes in the same idea. Right. Um. And a good way to start is uh WhatsApp groups. You know, we have WhatsApp group and uh-huh. and on the on the on the workouts. You know, besides this this thing I did with my my brother in law, um, we everyone has to, everyone has to show their workouts every day of what we really? what we say we're gonna do. And if we don't do it by midnight, we actually have to pay to the charitable fund. We do something similar with our team too. Every every week, we give each other a challenge of like what we're going to commit to that week in terms right. of physical fitness. Yeah, and um, we have like a push up challenge, like anytime push ups. Yeah, we, we do. Reach it, you know, it's like thirty anytime push ups. One hundred and twenty five a day. Wow. By midnight, and then you got the oh shit one hour rule from twelve to one, where if whatever you have left over, you have four. If you do four times the the the, the missed allotment, mm. and then otherwise you have to pay, you have to donate immediately. That's good. Like, I like that immediately. What do you think yeah. it is? I mean, you said for a long time you weren't able to complete things, or you have a lot of unfinished projects in the past. What do you think it was a switch for you in terms of being able to start, execute, and finish things? And why are so many people in the music world that you're aware of? who are unable to complete things, what is it that holds them back? I think one thing I learned, especially when I was in high school, um, and I've said this before many times, is the the hardcore music scene that I, that I got introduced to that became my life, that became my lifestyle. Um, to the you know Every decision that I made was all based on the fundamentals of this hardcore scene. Mm-hmm. Even the food I ate, I became vegetarian because that's what they did. They were talking about animal rights, and I got into that. Right. And it was all really based on passion and community. You know, it's like you have to be really into what you're saying and doing and be educated on, on what you're saying and doing and uh, and learn some instruments and play the music, you yeah. know, and play the music of that culture. Essentially, you're an ambassador of the culture. And the way you get respect in that culture is by finishing your projects, whether it's a song, whether it's playing a show, whether it's putting on a show for other bands. So that scene can prosper and there's an ecosystem. Yeah. So it's all about making this, the, the, the ecosystem of that community healthy. And the more you do that, the more that you're able to make it healthy, the, the more respect you get. So it's not about, oh, I just mm-hmm. walked in with like the shoes that no one else has or the bike that everybody wants. 
the more of that element that you bring to the table, the the less cool you are. The, 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 like you're, you're cooler if you actually go, I'm, I'm vegetarian. I stopped wearing leather shoes. Oh shit. You made a stance. You made <laughs> right. something that's like a sacrifice or I, you know, I'm putting on a show and all these bands are coming in. Wow. You put on the show. That's awesome. I started a band and I'm playing and I'm representing the sound or I made a zine. I interviewed four bands and I went to Kinko's and I made the zine. I'm mm-hmm. passing them out to all the different people. It's almost like a religion in a way where yeah. you're spreading the, that, that goodwill. And it's not about a financial reward as well. It's, it's like there is no fi- financial reward in, in what we're, what I'm talking about here. It's all about, uh, believing, believing in a culture and, and being rewarded by spreading that culture and building that healthy ecosystem of that mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. So it is in essence, that culture doesn't have to be music. That culture could be in, a book club right. or in a chess club or in something that's like drives you because, uh, you know, another thing is as well as I, I talked to some people, they're like, I don't know what my passions are. And I, you know, I talked to Tom Bill, you from yeah. inside quest about like, how do you find your passion? Like what, what gets you there? You know, if you don't know what it is, you just have to keep trying stuff and, and see what, what pulls you, what's pulling you to a certain place and then meeting up with those people, that mm-hmm. community. And, um, and finding out ways, because we all are smart, we all have ways, and we all have different ways of thinking about how to to you know get more people involved in what we do. Right. You know, so you know, like you know, the idea of being a pusher is a bad thing, but in this case, it's a good thing. You mm-hmm. know, so I'll, and whenever I could push positive lifestyle and a positive like and health and well being, I feel good about myself. Yeah. It's like Christmas when you actually give gifts. It uh-huh. feels much better than to receive. Sure. I really, I prefer not to get any presents. I'd rather just give <laughs> presents. You get more out of it, right? Absolutely, yeah. Like giving is actually the most selfish thing you can do it's just because right. you feel so good. Um, I'm curious. You talked about sacrifice for a moment. What's the biggest sacrifice you've had to make to get to where you're at? Uh, well, it's weird because when I think about the times when, when things weren't happening and I didn't really look at it as sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess in retrospect, it was a sacrifice because you are sacrificing time mm-hmm. and you're not, let's say you're not getting paid, Yeah. but it's not a sacrifice to you. You know, it's, it's an it's, investment. Yeah. It's an investment, but you don't even think of it as, uh, as an investment either. You, you think about it. Uh, it's, it's, it's just different. You know, like this, like when I'm going back to the hardcore community, it's like, um, you know, when we put on shows in our living room, we, we never took a dime. We yeah. sp- spent all this time getting people to know about what we did. And once we, we got the ball rolling, we were we were on a roll bringing all these artists in. We never took a dime from any shows. You know, uh, we always had people stay over. And and I guess you could call it a sacrifice, but right. it's really it really wasn't. It was um, it was a real love for what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, was I think, that about 10 years ago? Or when no, was that was like. Uh, that was like 15 years ago. 15 years ago. You yeah, were throwing six, these weekly yeah. parties in your in your apartment with a few other guys, right, that you lived with? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, we we had like about four over 400 bands play. But it was some some bands that became, you know, bands that everyone knows, like Jimmy World or, mm. you know, like a lot of bands, like a lot of hardcore bands, you know. A lot of the bands that were willing to, to, to play in a living room. How many people could you cram in there? 40 people. 40 people. Yeah, I mean, but it felt like a lot more, you know, right, the right. energy was pretty wild. Electric, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, so, like, for me as well, you know, I'm like, I'm DJing, obviously, to a much larger audience, but 
I, I find a value in playing in front of five people. I, cause I used to love, I played in front of five people many times yeah. as a band. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> like it's, um, cause like sometimes we would do tour and we would play in houses, basements, uh, a warehouse that was abandoned, you know, with mm. the generator. What was the biggest thing you learned about yourself playing in those in front of those five, ten, twenty people rooms for years? I'm assuming before anything ever picked up. What's the biggest lesson you learned about going through that process and that journey? It's connection. It's like mm-hmm. um, having a real connection with people and and looking at them in the eye and actually, like, you know, com- communicating. I mean, we we'd actually after the shows we'd hang out with them. Like those five people that came to the show, I'd want to know them. I'd be like, you came, you spent money, you drove all the way to my show. There's only four of you, five of you here, ten of you here. Let's hang out. Let's do something. Let's like, yeah. I want to know about you and like what what your scene's about. And then building a network and actually like treating them as peers, not as fans so much as peers, because I am a fan as well as them. I was those people at when I was in when I was in. Uh, teenager and I'm yeah. still those people at other shows I'm like yeah. in the crowd and and uh, if I really am uh, attracted to a, uh, a message or a sound mm-hmm. I'm I'm always a fan that's another thing I've learned is that you like you can't forget about the fact that the reason why I do it is because I am a fan and I and I I'm we're at the we're all at the same level mm-hmm. that 15 year old kid that's like up front screaming or like bawling their eyes out or like that energy. I'm like looking at him like, I'm you. I was you. I still am you, you know? And I'm, and I'm so happy that they, that they don't give a fuck about anybody else and what they're thinking. Cause I was that kid in the front, like screaming, wanting to sing along and be connected to the the bands. And when the bands and artists connected with me, it changed my life, you know? Mm. So I always wanted to be that. And then remember like, Hey, we're, we are, we are emotional beings and we're here to express this connection. That's why like when people are like high on drugs and, and like completely aloof at my shows, I just feel like what what a waste for them. And what a, what a waste for myself, bringing them as production, bringing this time and, you know, they can't experience it fully. Yeah, exactly. And like, I'm just like, they just, they forget why they're even there. You know, it's like the people that are completely like, uh, you know, fixed on the show, they get, they get the full experience. They get something that they can leave with that, you know, hopefully it can inspire, inspire them the way it's inspired. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host when you were growing up did you think you would be in this position did you did you visualize yourself in front of tens twenties you know fifty thousand people absolutely not you didn't think about it there's no visualization of of it's not like the secret where i'm like this will happen i will make it happen i never even imagined scenario bigger than 10 20 30 40 in your people. living room yeah i just i it's it's also i think there's nothing wrong with imagining and saying i'm going to be there i'm going to be a billionaire i'm going to be influential in my field i'm going to you know 
there's nothing wrong with that. And like, I, I agree whenever I read about different entrepreneurs and they talk mm -hmm. about, you know, their tips is to like, imagine that, Hey, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's also a balance of being pragmatic as being realistic and also not forgetting about what's in front of you. Right. Cause like the, the thing is, is that, you know, you could be thinking about this grand scale and forget that the five people that are in front of you are there because they love to be a part of that. And, and if you're not connected to them, they won't be as connected to, to you and why they came in the first place. So that's why there's times where I'll play a show and, it, and I feel the, the sense of disconnect because there's a lot of people just kind of aloof or not necessarily on drugs, but they're just not present. They're, they're not present. And then I become not present. And then the people that are present, they don't become present. And all of a sudden it's a lose lose for everyone. Hmm. So I can't, I can't look at these like, let's say you have a tremendous show and you're like, oh, that show was great. There's all shows aren't going to be great. And the shows that are doing that aren't great, you have to actually get more into the show. And that goes back to the very, very beginning of the question you asked. That's another thing that that's important to remember is the beginning. And like those five people, those 10 people. Or it could be those five or 10 people in the crowd while everyone like there's like a, you know, where it's not such a great show. Right. Just focus on the people that care. Yeah. It's funny. Whenever I do speeches and I feel disconnected or like maybe people are yawning or they're of on course. the phone. Yeah. You're like, you get distracted. There's someone's walking in the background. Yeah, 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 and right. In an auditorium, you can see a lot more of this than just like guys jumping around. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's very present because it's quiet. Yeah. And um, someone taught me, a great speaker taught me, you know, focus on the one person who's looking at you and just hone in. Exactly. And connect with that one human being. If it takes you two minutes, three minutes, just like look them in the eye and really connect with them, you'll bring everyone to that moment. Yeah. And you'll bring the whole room back to yeah. be present. So is that something you do too? That's exactly what I do. Really? I mean, the same, like a perfect analogy is I'm talking to you, you we're connected, we're talking. Mm -hmm. The conversation become will we'll open up into all different avenues. But if instead... I'm talking to a wall. You ask me a question, I'm talking to a wall. I'm not going to have the same kind of like uh, choose your own adventure, like where we can go and, you know, kind of yeah. go off in every direction. Yeah. I'll probably just answer questions in a very mundane, <laughs> monotone, right. rudimentary level, you know, and at the end of the day, whoever sees it is going to get that rudimentary level kind of like, oh, that, I didn't really learn that much or that wasn't like – I'm tuned out, you know? Right. So when you're feeling disconnected or the show's a little off or whatever, your energy's off, is that what you'll do? When there's 50,000 people, you'll find the one person, two people. Oh, yeah. And you'll just give them that full attention? Or... Yeah. And then, like, it all comes back. Mm. And, like, it's exactly what you say. Even if the rest of the people are just leaving, you just got to remember, like, you know, like, you, you, can't, you can't be harsh on yourself and just, just focus on the people that care. Yeah. You know? And then you have to constantly think back. Can't we please also, everyone, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. And you have to you guys think back about the very beginning where, hey, man, I was happy playing in front of 10 people. Yeah. You know, like I got to remember why I'm doing this. I'm not doing this for a paycheck. I'm doing this because I love I love this this moment right here and like, making this music and being able to connect people with my music. What's been the most inspiring or impactful moment of your career for you? Uh, well, show or it's, it's just so many moments that all <laughs> add up. It's hard. I mean, my first big moment was playing Coachella, which I've always talked about 2007. Um, cause that opened me up to a stage of people at this morning in my club in the clubs I was playing in, um, getting a Grammy nomination for my first album. That was, wow. 
you know, just just being recognized by the Grammy committee and and uh, and you know, the music community, like you know, going, hey, you know, we we think that uh, Stevie Oki's incredible, uh, in the yeah, shit and up made. in the five best albums. I'm like, that's pretty good. Yeah, so I because you know I I um, I don't like to. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, this is my own thing, but like, um, I'm like almost like anti-secret in a way sure. <laughs> method where I'm just, I don't want to have this expectation because I don't want to always feel so bad if it doesn't happen, mm. you know, because since I got the Grammy now, I was like, oh, I want to win a Grammy now, but like it's hasn't come, another nomination hasn't come again. And I've it just, you just have to be like, it might not ever come and that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Who was uh, the most influential person in your life growing up? Um, well, I'd say through and through my father, you know, and I really got to tell that story in the documentary. It's amazing, yeah. And um, I never really publicly talked about that, you know. That's why it was. Um, that's why, like, partially for me, I just haven't seen the film again, you know, since since the um, since I watched it. At, you haven't seen the film. No, I've seen it. Of course, I've seen the film, but I saw it. I watched it in full at the Tribeca Film Festival a long time ago. It was like probably in early August or something. Oh. Or July. June? Was it June? Whatever it was. It was in in the summertime. You haven't watched since? No, I haven't. I I just, it's hard for me to watch that. Mm. It's one thing to actually talk about process and talk and then and then get into personal stuff and then like bring yourself back into the moment especially when you're around people that that like feel comfortable with yeah and then it's another thing to watch yourself talk about it and and then you know how did you feel when you watched it at the festival a bit uncomfortable you know but i was happy my mom was there yeah you know she was sitting next to me and at the end of the day the way i see it is i don't want i don't really want to think about this film is about me. I really, I'm really like paving, you know, the paying an homage to my father and to my mom and to DJ AM and to certain people that yeah. really laid the groundwork for me to, to do what I did, um, or do what, do what I'm doing. But, um, I just like, I'd love that. And if, yeah. if I keep that in perspective, then, then I, then I feel like this film has weight and it, it's like, it you know, people, can watch it but yeah. if like then again like i don't want it to be like oh yeah you know like watch this movie about me you right, know like right, it, sure. so, it sounds so lame you know <laughs> and when you see people talk about themselves like that it's kind of you kind of you kind of want to make fun of them you know? sure sure so, sure what's the biggest lesson that you've learned from your father then um i mean there's so many lessons right but um this is like a you know obviously his drive his drive was uh was insane unbelievable and it came with a lot of uh you know issues family issues and he wasn't really there much right yeah and he was not a great husband he wasn't he wasn't really great like he was a good dad in the sense that um he got brought his kids together whenever he could but his like he you know he had he 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 wasn't a, a liar, you know, he, he's very honest, you know, like hmm. it's true. His number one was business. Number two was health. Number three is family. Um, you know, that's, that's the way he is. 
that's not necessarily my my um, code of honor. Mm-hmm. That's not my code of conduct. What's you know? your code? Um, there is no one, two, and three. You know, it's all like family is really important to me. But obviously, I work a lot more than I see my family. Mm-hmm. So it's not so black and white. Um, there's times when I'm with my family, all I want to do is support them. So when I see my mom, you know, I'll, I'm trying to build a plan for her so that she she remains healthy and happy and lives a long life, a long life of happiness and health. So we always think about what we can do. You know, in the in the Aoki boot camp way, but not necessarily like you're making your pay, <laughs> but like not sure. necessarily making your do push ups now. <laughs> but like, um, you know, I just want to take care of her. You know, she took yeah, care yeah, of me. Yeah. yeah. Up. So your code's more of like an integrated, balanced approach. Is what you're saying. You may not spend as much time with family, but the time you're with them really is meaningful and it matters. And you're present during that time. Yeah. And there's probably ebbs and flows of work to family to health and. I also think like when I'm not with the people I love, I want to, I want to kind of like analyze what they do with their day. Cause if they're spending their time watching TV when they could be learning, when they could be, um, doing something that that's healthy for them and that's, that's healthy and positive and, and integrates, um, a sense of well being and happiness that they don't know about before. That's what I want to push. In the sense of what I'm saying about being a pusher. So yeah. what I do with my mom is like, I'm like, okay, so tell me your schedule of the day. You don't need to do the this, this like TV stuff. Like, like so like, you know, I'm getting her piano lessons. Mm. So then she is like using that part of her brain. Yeah. She loves piano. And um, uh, making sure there's a, a personal trainer coming in to like make sure her all, like the blood's flowing in her body. She's moving. Um you know, I'm, you know, getting like green cold pressed juices to her sure. and making sure she's drinking at least two a day. Yeah. Uh, making sure she's on her vitamin com- supplement. What? Did you start a juice company or you're a part owner or? Yeah. Yeah. With my brother. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Um, and, uh, you know, like those kinds of things are important. She's like, mm-hmm. uh, she, you know, she started writing a book. I'm helping getting a book editor. Nice. So it's like, I think, you know, then it's like you, you know, I, I feel like I did, I'm doing the best I can. As, as a son, not just hanging out with her and like giving her a hug and giving her a kiss and, and having dinner and lunch. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, let's like plan it out so that you're using your time effectively, efficiently, that makes you happy and healthy. Right. And that, that works muscles that you almost forget because that's what happens as we get older. Mm-hmm. We get, we're like, we're so good at this. We don't need to do this. You know, when you're young, you can do it all. Right? right. And you like, uh, you just sponge everything and you get older. It's hard to sponge those things. So it's yeah. about challenging yourself and saying, Hey, I didn't learn this, this language, but I have to make it a goal. And everyone says that, you know, I've said that about learning languages myself. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I'm going to learn it next year, <laughs> next year resolution. Right. But, but if you don't have some sort of like system set up to force you to learn it, you know, and I, I talked to some people about this. Like, it's bad. It's a bunch of bad idea. This whole disciplinary thing it just like puts like a bad taste in people's mouth. But I get it done this way, and, and exactly. I enjoy it. At the end of the day, as, as long as I'm hmm. doing the work, um, then I will, you know, whatever it might be, then then I'll feel better about myself. Yeah. You know? What would you say is your vision for your your career and your life? Well, I mean, my core is always music. So it's producing music and playing music. Those are like, that's my core. It's like what I've, 
built my whole life around in, yeah. in one form or fashion from playing guitar and, and being in bands and being in the studio and that, that sense to, to working right here in this studio or like working on electronic music and playing it. That's like that thread is, will probably exist for, for a long time because it's just been my, it's just always there. That passion and drive is always there, but the passion and drive are one and the same and they always change. And I'm, I always follow where that goes and it leads me into like, uh, all kinds of different places that I'm, yeah. that, that, that leaves me in places of challenge where I, I'm, I'm here to challenge myself. In the case of Johnny Cupcakes, where I met him like 11 years ago, you talked about, I, I uh, threw myself into the fashion world hmm. by this opportunity that was given to me. It was, um, hey, we want you to DJ at this magic trade show and we don't, we can't afford to pay you, but we'll give you a booth. Because essentially, magic the the trade shows are real estate. Yeah, they're they're real, they're real estate agent. They own this convention hall, and they're like, we're gonna rent out this 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 this, and it's like you just got to be next to the, the the right real estate. You know? Right, right. So um, they're like, just give me a booth anywhere. So they give me like the back corner. Like, <laughs> hey, we're not gonna sell anyways. We'll give it to Aoki. Sure. And um, I'm like, perfect. I need this as a deadline. In the project oriented sense, I have this mm -hmm. deadline. I got to come up with a bunch of T-shirts. Good thing is I was screen printing shirts when I was 15 years old really? in my mom's house wow. in the closet, like with the motion and just right. and and printing on vintage shirts and selling them for five bucks. Wow, this is something I want to get into, and now I have a deadline, and now I have a project, and now I have a booth to be able to show these shirts. So I was just screening shirts, <laughs> and then you know, and I had like a few designs that I came up with my, some of my friends. Met with this guy. He's like, hey, I'll represent you. He was a friend. He didn't have, even have a showroom. Perfect. It's exactly the same model that I started when I was in bands. You know, when I was in bands, I started right. with people that didn't know how to play instruments. I'm like, let's learn together. Wow. Even my manager who manages me now, he wasn't a manager before. He's like, I'm like, you you believe in me? Okay, let's just go figure and hit, hit the road and we'll figure it out. We'll stumble, we'll fall, we'll pick each other up and we'll keep going. And, um, and that's been the process wow. for me, even with, with musical music production, electronic productions. I met with another friend who was, who was a, uh, he just learned Pro Tools, but he knew it enough where he could train me. And we worked together for two years before I started producing on my own. Wow. And, um, so it's just like, uh, that kind of like attitude of, I just give me a deadline and I'll figure it out. And it might not be great, but I promise you I'll get it done. Mm. You know, I just need to have, First of all, I need to have the passion and drive to get there. I have to want to be there, and I just need that deadline. Yeah, give me the deadline. I want it. I'm I I love the deadlines. Yeah. So, um, how did that first trade show go then? Pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> pretty pretty horrible. You sell any shirts? <laughs> I don't I don't know. Maybe like a couple of stores picked them up, but sure, sure. But um, it was a learning. It's just a learning curve, and I yeah. You know, nine years later. Mm -hmm. I started a fashion company. Yeah. I call that, which is demo collection. Yeah. Time. I call that practice reps. Yeah. Where you just like, you're not going to make any money. You're not going to, you're going to lose money. You're going to lose money. <laughs> yeah. But the things you learn, the knowledge is like getting a real life PhD in whatever you're trying to do. Yeah. And you're just doing practice rep after practice rep until like the big game comes and you're ready. Yeah. So, I mean, like that, like, you know, in a nutshell, I, I got into magic. I was doing every year. I got into doing, DJ for them, they give me a booth. Great deal because they'll sell me a booth that, or give me a booth that no one wants anyways. Mm -hmm. um, sold a couple of t-shirts, like learned the business. Two years later, 
I own my own trade show. Wow. Alongside Magic and Project and, and Pool. Pool sold to Avonstar. Avonstar is a company that owns Magic. And the um, the uh, I teamed up with the, the younger brother of the woman that, that sold Pool. She couldn't do any trade shows, but he learned everything from her. So I teamed up with him, and he saw what like my my intent, and my passion, mm-hmm. and we we started the trade show, and we owned it fifty percent. Wow. It's called United Trade Show. Amazing. And then we 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 gather all it's basically real estate, right? So you gather all your friends together, like, hey, we have a convention hall. We're at the same time as Magic, and we're the edgier trade show. Right. And we did that for a couple of years, and I had a good time. I learned the ropes by throwing myself in the ring, throwing myself in the deep end, and learning how to swim before I. Or drought. Right, right. And uh, that was a that was an interesting round. And then, like at the same time, I'm sh- I'm trying to trying to pick up this this fashion business, which is, you know, it was it was cool, it was existing, but it wasn't it wasn't doing any real business. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I met with partners that just come, came and failed. And like, you know, they were interested and like weren't interested. And then, and then over like nine years, finally. You know, I, I get to, <laughs> I, I find out like, uh, some people that were interested in, yeah. and we've, we're on three seasons deep in a full on, uh, wow. you know, menswear collection of, you know, all, all kinds of really great garments and t-shirts and hoodies and pants and shorts and button downs. Congrats, man. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Doing well in Japan. It's paying off. That's great. Yeah. I'm curious now, where were you, where do you think you'd be right now if your father was there more? As more of an example, and was around and spent a lot of time. If family was number one for him, yeah, and he wasn't as driven and achieved what he did, where do you think you'd be if you had a different example? I don't know. Because you'd still be driven to do what you're doing. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Maybe I, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Mm. It's, it's such a tough one. Like I, I guess you could say that I probably wouldn't be. You know, maybe maybe that's the case. Maybe like that. That um, absent father um, dynamic and me trying to prove to him was how I was able to get through like the the, the tough period of time. Mm. And what if he did invest in me early on? What if I failed? You know, maybe not. Maybe I would have found an artist and I was would be able to build it up at the time because with. You know, at the period of time before I even was a DJ or an artist, I was, it was all about Dimock Records and how mm-hmm. I can, um, catapult this lifestyle brand into a real record business, like right. a music business. And we got there, but we might not have got there, you know, I mean, but that has nothing to do with him if we got there. Sure. It had to do with me being connected to a scene that attracted certain bands and those bands blew up and we were, we were able to, to represent those bands. Right. Um, so that necessarily, necessarily didn't have anything to do with him. If he funded those at me at the time for me to actually do something, I'm sure that I would have been able to hire employees and do this and, and it would have been a shorter road Mm -hmm. to success. And I would have made more decisions that could have catapulted the business Yeah. because I'm like, Oh, I got money and I don't know what to do with it. I'm just going to throw it all in there. And then all of a sudden business goes kerplunk and I'm like, okay, I'm out. Maybe that could have happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because that's what happens if you you're inexperienced. You're running a company. You have you have money, right? You you're you're more likely to throw all the eggs in the basket and kerplunk your business mm-hmm. instead of managing it, managing expectations, right. being realistic, because you don't have the budgets and you have to find a way 
through your relationships to get through instead of having a, a fund egg mm-hmm. from your family. Right. You know, so, um, but then again, there's a lot of trust fund kids that, that are successful. Right. So you just never, never know. know. You never just know. never know. So it's interesting. It's like, you know, I think it's, I, I'm, I'm proud of the way I, we, I did things. I'm proud of how it, it all came out to being, but it was, it was years of, of like, holy <laughs> shit, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make yeah. it. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to be in debt and no one's like, there's no out for me. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I have, I have to also recognize that I'm not going to be homeless. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm going to like, if, if at the end of the day, I might have a debt, but I could probably work, you know, and I could probably go back to working at like, or not go back, but if he was still alive, I could probably work for him somehow. Right. You know, he is a successful man. It's not like I'm from the streets. I'm like, oh shit, I'm out. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not, it's not real world scenario. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's like my life is not real world scenario, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where, where people don't have a safety net. Of course yeah. I had a safety net. So I it will never, you know, not recognize mm-hmm. that. And that's important too. So that maybe the safety net subconsciously, even though I didn't actually get fronted the money, the fact that I had the safety net allowed me to take more risks. Go all in. Right. Yeah. Allowed me to go, well, I'm going to go for it. But at the end of the day, in in the front of my head, I wasn't thinking about money anyways. I wasn't thinking about being rich. That wasn't, I don't want to have those fancy cars. I, I don't care. I'll, I'm happy to sleep on couches. Mm. I, I, I don't, I don't mind sleep at, sitting in the middle seat in the back of the plane. Those things didn't matter to me. So at that time, you know, my perspective wasn't about how do I make money for myself? It's more about just having an ecosystem that I can live in so I can do what I do. You know, I mean, when I was graduating college, you know, I was considering to stay in academia where your top end salary is probably 50 grand. Social yeah. work, you know, with, a women's studies degree and sociology. It's, it's not much. Yeah. Like you, you do it because you love to, right. you know, like that's why, like I have so much respect for, for people in academia that are, that are sitting in research labs or writing books, um, you know, teaching about their, their specialized subjects because they, they love what to do what they do. They're not doing it uh, to be rich. They're doing right. it because they want to better the world in their own way. Sure. Sure. What would you say is your biggest fear right now? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's, a maybe staying, staying relevant, staying relevant is not staying relevant. You mean? Yeah. Not staying relevant. And, um, Hmm. just because like, you know, I've been in this, um, I've been in this, this, this kind of volatile climate of music, you know, rushing as a trend and then, and then and then disappearing, you know, and, uh, you know, you don't, it's almost like you want to be at the top of the trend, but then you don't, because when that trend goes, sometimes you go too. Mm. no matter how f- bad you change your sound or whatever you do. Um, I've always been luckily like kind of in the middle, like I've, I've been at the top, like Dimock is not the coolest label. We're not the most profitable label, but we've survived through so many epochs of labels and mm-hmm. trends. Because we've kind of like, you know, we want, of course, we want to be cool and relevant. Yes. Of course, I want to be relevant and connect with people. 
but my music might not. Like even if I try to make a, ch- a change, my music that inspires me, it might not connect with someone else. Yeah, and um, it might throw people a curve, you know. And I'm doing I'm doing that for sure. This year, I'm been working with a lot more hip hop artists. Mm-hmm. I've even ch- changed my sound a lot more than the typical EDM sound with a hip hop vocalist on there. Sure. Like I've I've like thrown out sometimes on on tracks I have no drops. You know, and in the EDM world, it's drop is what mm-hmm. makes you EDM. You know, right. so and I've also changed my 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 kicks and my snares and like things of technical detail where it doesn't even like if you change those sounds, it doesn't even sound like an Aoki sound anymore from from like someone that always listens to my music. And I'm willing to do that because I'm mm-hmm. it just I get excited. I'm like yeah. cool, I got to change things up. So that can throw your relevance off, yeah. your relevance curve off. And, um, so what if you became irrelevant one day because you were passionate about what you were doing and executing the things you love, but the world didn't think it was as relevant or cool. How would that make you feel? Uh, I, I just, uh, I'd have to really take a look deeper into why I'm doing things again, mm-hmm. you know, going yeah. back to like, you know, that one, that one person that really cares in the, right. in the front of the, in the front of the room. Yeah. And, just know like you know they might change too like mm-hmm. as you change a topic you know like they might change too and you have to be okay with that you have to be okay with that you know and no it's not about um you really you really love what you do you like it's okay yeah you know but it's like the, the balance for me it's like mm-hmm. i, I want to i got so far to this point where i actually built a global audience yes. that that's following my sound massive audience. Yeah. That I'm really proud of. And, um, I, you know, and I re- I really care so deeply about this work and my, my work I'm doing, uh, I, you know, I want to keep continue to grow it. So, yeah. you know, of course, like, uh, when, if it goes down or, you know, people aren't willing to follow my lead, um, I'm like, shit, am I doing the right thing? You know? <laughs> sure, like, sure. But then, um, you know, but then I have to think, like, I have to do what I love to do. Yeah. And, um, and also I had, a, I remember having this talk with, uh, another DJ that's just been in the game. He's been like a godfather in a way for me, like a good friend of mine, Armand Van Halden. Mm. He's from New York and he's just like, he's had so many incredible highs and not necessarily lows, but highs and just, just you know going off the radar mm. and highs and going off the radar and highs and going off the radar and he's like i've seen it so many times i know i'm going to go back up on the high i know i, I am so i'm not worried when i'm in the uh, when i'm off the radar mm. not necessarily low just right. off the radar right and it's his choice to be off the radar but he's has such like this kind of cycle it's you it's it's like it's not even the 1% that could be Rihanna and Drake, that's always uh, on the high. Right. You're talking about the point zero 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 one percent that stays on the high the whole time. Every year. Bro, bro, yeah, yeah. Bro. That stays here. Because they're the ones pushing the culture entirely. They're the ones that define what the culture is right. meant to be. You know? Reality is, even if you're the one percent that actually can get to the high, realistically you will drop and you have to be okay with that. And just keep working and keep making mm. more music and and remaining true to the people that, that, you know, that are, are leading you and like connecting with them. Say, okay, yeah. come with me, guys. Let's, let's go. We're going to go. Yeah. We're going to go on this trip. 
it's it might not be something you'd expect, but just just come with me. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trust <laughs> me. And uh, some of you are not going to trust me once you hear it. Right. It's fine. Check it out. It's fine. <laughs> but um, we're going to keep trucking. We're going to we're going to get to the next yeah. the next adventure. And I hope you guys continue because it's going to be different. And I'm going to try to keep surprising you. Yeah, that's cool. What would you say is the thing you're most proud of that a lot of people don't know about you? Uh, Maybe that isn't out there in the public or isn't in the documentary or. But something that you're really proud of, it could be like a small thing, but I, I know how to do the, um, the most hygienic sneeze probably that you can do. <laughs> how do you do that? So like most people, when they sneeze and they want to, they don't want to spread their germs. They usually sneeze in their shirt uh, or they'll bring it underneath. Yeah. Or like, yeah, like that. I do the, I used to do that all the time. Cover your mouth, obviously. You get spit all over your hand, you know, like sometimes like a big fat loogie comes out. Sure. You're like, oh, shit. Naughty. Like, you know, you're like, oh, God. so how do we, like, how do we do this? So last year I had to, um, uh, I had, I had vocal surgery. Yes. So I, I couldn't speak for a month. Mm. And, um, part of the part, like, you know, like before, before the surgery, I just, it's just, I just was quiet. And I, if I'd cough, if I'd had to cough or sneeze, I would cough and sneeze. After the surgery, if you coughed or sneezed, your your vocal cords vibrate at such like a zzz, uh, you know, it's just so bad for your vocal cords. And I'm slicing one side of the vocal cord. So your vocal cords are like a V. Mm. So you slice one side and it's just raw and red and just doesn't, you just do not want it to touch because mm. it's healing. And um, so if you sneeze, you're just destroying them. So I had to learn how to cough or sneeze without making a sound and um and i learned this it's um it's it doesn't sound or look pleasant when i do it but i do it kind of like when no one's looking at me sure but you have to um you have to keep your mouth wide open so you have to like I, uh, uh, you're about I, to sneeze yeah i keep my mouth open like like this so my so my vocal cords open Right. And then when I'm sneezing, I blow out like I'm <sighs> like I'm blowing like I'm like blowing out like I just smoked a shitload of weed. I'm like, uh-huh. <sighs> like right before you cough, you're like, holy shit, like your lungs are like you're you're blowing your lungs out while you're sneezing. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then you actually what happens is like you don't you don't make a sound because it's just a lot of air gushing out. Like what I just did, that sound that I just did is the most sound you make. And when I do that. No saliva. There's no, no vapor. Huh. There's no like vapor. So I could sneeze where trillions of bacteria aren't flying or in the air <laughs> and there's no vapor. And it just makes that sound. And I'm and, I, and so I'm if everyone did this hygienic sneeze, um I think you know, like it'd be we there wouldn't be as many colds flying around. I like that. Yeah. That's that's a good good thing to be proud of. Yeah. How do you uh I wanna we've got a few minutes left. Um I wanna be respectful of your time. Um, I'm going to ask a few last questions. How do you balance it all? Because in the documentary, you're like three cities a day, it seems like. You're flying around. How do you balance it all? Do you batch travel? Do you, you know, I don't I don't know how you do it. I'm curious. Well, here we are. We're in L.A. Mm-hmm. And um, th- this this happens because I have a team. I don't do it on my own. My publicist is right behind you. Mm-hmm. 
She handles all this She's stuff. Amazing. She's amazing. We connected before you got here. She travels with me on all of my publicity runs, and I can't do it without her. If she's not there, I don't know if I can be in the room. <laughs> and she's great. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's like uh, I have teams that like help manage all the time yeah. and manage all this. Um, yeah, it's time management and it's project-oriented management. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have to focus on each thing and make mm-hmm. sure that you have the right team. So it's like team management and, and time management. Yeah. And, um, you know, like when, when I'm creatively working in the studio, there's a lot more that goes in just finishing a song. Mm-hmm. A lot more. It's, there's so many different steps that you have to do. And especially when you work with big artists, Yeah, you have to work with their management. You got to work the with their agents. Yeah. You got to work with their labels. So much. And then you got to work around the schedules and you got to get all this paperwork signed off and then, and then after that, you got to make these radio edits. You got to make this edit. You got to make this for movies. You got to do this. You know, it's like it's a lot. I can't do all that. What I could do is make the music. Yeah. You know, and I could I could um, work on the creative side, but like I need a whole team around that. Mm-hmm. And then on the fashion side, there's a whole different team. Teams you can't do it on your own. Yeah, it's like yeah, you can't do it on your own, and no, and and it's all it's like also um, letting go of power and control mm-hmm. and being able to share that. Yeah. And share that with the right people. That's another thing too. Is I think I also read this before anything is is a, you know, hi, the hiring process is 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 really important. Yes. And um, I trust people more than skill set. Mm. That's another thing too. It's like um, you trust someone, they'll grow with you. Like your manager didn't know how to manage both my managers, but they my, my both my managers were not managers before me. Right. But I almost preferred people. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that, that didn't really work with my tour managers. Like I actually had, to, I actually had, to, uh, had to work with a, a, a guy that, that lived oh, on the road. Yeah, yeah. That was like a road guy. Um, cause that's a different kind of lifestyle. And after a few months, people were like, I get me off the road. I can't handle this kind of schedule, especially my schedule. My schedule is like a anomalous schedule Your of, machine. of touring. You have to really be a road dog. Yeah. You have to be a road yeah. dog that loves to be on the road. Right. What are the what are the non-negotiables for you every single day that you must do in order for you to have a great day? Whether it be health-wise, meditation, you know, working out, what are the things talking to your mom? Ten, you know? ten minutes of meditation. I try to do 15 but 10. Um I I have my workout regimen. I do like now we're doing like minimum like 100 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups. And if we don't do that, do some sort of uh like CrossFit workout. Mm-hmm. Like those are like things on the health side and balance and uh, trying to eat healthy, obviously. Um, and always getting in some sort of, um, you know, it's like learning a language. You have to do it every day Yeah. with music production and, 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 uh, working on music. I have to get a little bit in as much as possible. Sure. I don't do it every day, but, um, cause I really work like it's different. Like when you're in the studio, um, I spend more time here than like, like at a show, I'll play for 90 minutes here. Mm-hmm. When I'm in the studio here, I'll be in here for like nine to 10 hours. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then you have to also learn to give up bad habits and, and, um, and discipline yourself that you got in those bad habits because of, of routine. So mm-hmm. in, in the same sense, you get in good habits from routine. Yeah. So we just yeah. try to like balance and, you know, bad habits for me is I used to drink all the time. So I just quit drinking. Yeah. You know, it wasn't an AA move. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, I wouldn't say I'm an addict, like a, like an alcoholics anonymous, uh, person, but, uh, because I'll have like a taste of alcohol every now and again to the cheers 
celebrate. Sure. Sure. Uh, but for me, I, I just cutting it out entirely, not getting drunk and being completely conscious of my decisions and everything around mm. me. I like to remember things. Yeah. I like to, um, I like to be more engaged. Sure. That's awesome. Uh, this is a question I ask at the end for all my guests. It's called the three truths. So if it's uh, many, many years from now and it's your last day and you've achieved everything you've wanted to achieve, uh, but for whatever reason, everything you've ever created has been erased and people don't have access to what you've created anymore. Yeah. And everyone's there by your side. It's a, it's a celebration. And they say, we, uh, we love, here's a piece of paper and a pen. We want you to write down the three things you know to be true about everything you've experienced in life that you would pass on as lessons to us. What would you say, you know, off the cuff, because I didn't prep you for this question, are your three truths? I didn't get prepped for any of the questions, but, <laughs> but maybe you sent it to my team, but I didn't look. Um, well, I mean, first of all is to be happy uh, or just that, that term happiness and what, how is that defined hmm. for your life? Because like what makes you happy is shouldn't be like if you're a kid a toy truck or for mm. an older for like when you're older like a car it's like people around you you know like surround yourself yeah. with good people that um you know like whenever you do something good for someone like it, you um you are you're happy yeah. so like what we're talking about before right, right. so like um always be on the pursuit of happiness <laughs> okay um that's one and two is um have a positive outlook on life. Mm. Um, in general, be, just be a nice person. Have a positive outlook, be a nice person, and be happy. Yeah. You know, like you have those three things, you know, because like, it's easy to have the glass half empty rule and complain about everything and there's always a problem and, you know, for me, it's nothing worse than having that around me. I, I don't like that. You know, I'd rather be around people who are like, okay, we can always find the good in everything. Mm-hmm. And of course, be realistic, so we know what the the negatives are, so we can learn to stay away from them or learn to uh, overcome them. Mm-hmm. But um, we, li- I mean, I feel like I live life to for this pursuit of happiness, and generally just to be a good person to yeah. people. And uh, and you know, the other one, having to have a positive outlook. Yeah, on life. I love it. I love it. Uh, before I ask the final question. Uh, how can we support you? How can we support the biggest thing you're up to right now? Um, I say, I say, like the 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 one thing that people can do that's um, timely is November fifteenth. I mean, this is happening locally, so mm-hmm. this is locally in in Las Vegas. We're having a fundraiser for my charitable fund, okay, and um, all the money is going towards uh, either brain research or brain related diseases, and and um, organizations that focus on that mm. so um uh, we're doing our fundraising event in, no- in november 15th at brooklyn bowl okay and if people can't make it there how can they support they, they or... could donate they could donate money you know or or spread the word or like cool. retweet what's like, the link what's the where's the site or steveaokifund.com okay cool yeah awesome. and um yeah you can you can buy some merch there too you know, awesome. like coffee mugs and okay t-shirts and stuff cool where a save the brain t-shirt. We made a really cool shirt with like a brain, different colors. And it says mm. save the brain. Mm. I love uh, it. It's like, I don't really hear much about brain. I mean, of course, like giving money to cancer is a big deal. And, a, and I'm, I'm a big 
I mean, I'm, I'm a big supporter of that, especially my father. He passed away from cancer. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is like such a leading cause of death in all of people that we love in life. But all, the brain is like one of those things. We all have it. If we don't get killed by cancer mm-hmm. or some sort of heart-related disease, we're, we're definitely going to either go crazy. Uh, we're yeah. going to lose our memory. Yeah. And, um, you know, and like... This is this is how we this is how we we are intelligent beings. Yeah, know? you know, ten years ago, my dad got in a really uh, traumatic car accident where another car came through the windshield and hit him in the head, and he's never been able to recover since. So uh, I understand the challenges of the brain and yeah. what it does to someone if it's not fully functioning. So yeah. I'm going to make a thousand dollar donation right after this. Amazing, and, thank uh, you. Yeah, of course, appreciate that. Of course, and we'll, that's really we'll, cool. We'll spread it out to to everyone as well, and yeah. uh, make sure we support. Uh, we'll have all your social media linked up and everything, anything else you want to let us know to link it, yeah. we'll share uh, it out to people. Even on that, on that note, you know, the, like there's more information on where the money's going to, uh, cool. going towards and all the organizations that we work with and they're great organizations that I met with, um, uh, already like most of them, like sure. the Ruvo center for one, the brain health center in, in Nevada. They're, they're the leading brain organization mm. center for, in around the world. Awesome. And, um, I'm really happy we're working with them. That's cool. Um, and that's actually a privately held organization, mm. uh, center that, um, because it's privately held or privately, um, funded, uh, it's, there's so much more activity and research and just great stuff happening there. Yeah. You know, um, and, uh, you know, I just love working with people that are really pushing the envelope yeah, you know that's cool well we'll make sure to support all we can um before i ask the final question yeah. i want to acknowledge you for a moment steve for yeah. your incredible contribution to the world thank you it's amazing to see what you've created the passion you have and the way you bring everyone together not only your audience and your everyone that comes to your um your gigs but the the community inside the music industry you're bringing a collection of so many different types of people together to work and collaborate on things for me, when I think about you, I think of family. I think of everything you create as a sense of bringing family and community together. So I want to acknowledge you for your incredible gift, your dedication, your commitment to pushing the envelope, even if it's scary for you and even if it may not be relevant, because I think that's the true uh, sense of a leader. Thank you. So uh, I want to acknowledge you for all that. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. Thank and you. And the final question yeah. is what's your definition of greatness? I guess, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think you have to, um, whatever you do, you have to push yourself Mm. that maybe there is like, you know, maybe there is no, um, plateau. I mean, I guess that's the thing is there there is no plateau. Like you, you have to just strive to do better than what you did before. And it's just a constant, it's a, it's a constant, like, uh, workout, you know, it's a constant workout of, all the different things that you're striving to do that's better for people around you, for everyone you touch, whether it's just your family, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's just your friends or a bigger community. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I, I think that like that in itself is once again, on that note, it's more, it's definitely more about um, uh, what they say. It's, it's the, the journey, not the destination. Mm-hmm. It's definitely more on that, that lane. Sure. Cause as you, as you strive, and you learn that is an adventure in itself. Yeah. See, thanks for coming on. Thank you, gentlemen. There you have it. 
Greatness Nation. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Again, make sure to share it out with your friends. LewisHouse.com slash 401. We've got some different video highlight reels from this episode that we posted on Facebook and Instagram. We've got the full video over on YouTube. So make sure to go to YouTube slash Lewis House and everything, all the photos, all the videos, all the show notes, how you can get connected to Steve, his charity, and support him is at lewishouse.com slash 401. So make sure to check out the link right there. See all the behind the scenes. Leave a comment on the YouTube channel or the blog or on social media letting me know what you think. And make sure to tag Steve as well to let him know about the support from this podcast. I love you guys. You know, the thing is, I bring on some of these incredible human beings who have made it to the top and are still striving to achieve more great things. But Steve didn't start off at the top. He didn't start off as one of the biggest DJs in the world. He started out with 15, 20 people in his living room, you know, hoping to get a few people to show up to listen to his music. He started off doing it day after day, working hard for a decade and then some. And he's just getting started. But sometimes we get, we get overwhelmed and we think, ah, I'm not where I want to be. You know what? But what I learned about Steve is it's all about the process and the journey. And he's happy to perform for 10 people or 10,000 people as long as he gets to do what he loves. So make sure you are focusing on doing the thing that lights you up, that gives you passion, that gives you energy, and that impacts other people. Whether it's one or one million, enjoy the journey of each human being that connects and resonates to your message and your craft and your art. Continue on the journey to your destination. Thank you guys again. LewisHouse.com slash 401. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great.